0: Father, we are thankful for your word. Thank you for this time that we gather to celebrate the great work, the perfect work of Christ on the cross for us. And Lord, as we come now to the preaching of your word, I pray that you would look upon me, your humble servant. I know in myself I can't do this. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Inspire my words, fill my thoughts, and may all our hearts be open to receive your word today. May it be planted deep, that it may bear forth the fruit of your kingdom in our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. As we all did this morning, because you're here, we got ready and came to church, and there was a family getting ready for church, and their little six-year-old son was running late, and he wouldn't come out of his room, and the mother said, come on, Johnny, it's time for church, get down here. Silence. She said the same thing again, silence. Then the father went upstairs, banged on the little guy's door, said, it's time to go to church, Johnny. Johnny said, I ain't going. The dad said, you got to go to church. Johnny goes, I ain't going. Johnny, we're going to church. And then Johnny asked his dad, Dad, did you go to church every Sunday when you were my age? And the dad goes, Why, yes, I did, son. And Johnny goes, well, it didn't do you any good, so why do I need to go? (laughs) The struggle is real. The struggle to appropriate what Christ has done into our lives. There was an old cartoon strip, they go to invade some little island and they send out a scouting party and the scouting party comes back and they come back with this response, we have met the enemy and he is us. And that's our lives. We feel Paul's words today very clearly. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Oh, wretched man that I am. And it's the struggle that we face in our day-to-day walk with Christ against ourselves. The, the struggle to live up to what we know we ought to be. A few passages earlier, Paul writes, what I want to do, I do not do. How many of us can sympathize with that? What I want to do, I do not do. All of us who have children and kids, you ask asked them at one point in their life, why did you do that? And the usual response is, I oh. do Translated means, I have no logical, rational answer to give you of why I did this thing. That's us. Anybody remember the character from the TV, a TV show called Urkel? Anybody remember Urkel? The little nerdy guy? And his catchphrase, did I do that? How many times do you ask yourself that question? How many times do you find yourself in that situation? The struggle to live up to what you know you ought to be. It's like a civil war in our heart. I'm convinced, after a lot of uh, prayer, that St. Paul was a golfer. (laughs) Because you go play golf. You hit it left all day long, and you finally realize, maybe I need to aim right. And then when you aim right, the ball doesn't go left. It goes right, and vice versa. And that's where we are. We feel that struggle. The struggle to come to grips with repeated failures. Paul said again a few passages earlier, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. The evil that I hate, I keep on doing. We all have those besetting sins. That thing you fight your whole life with. And in 20 plus years of ordained ministry, I can honestly tell you, nothing surprises me. When people would come to me at when during we did confession, I would tell them, you can be honest, you're not going to surprise me. If I haven't done what you've said, I've probably thought about it. That's us. The struggle of repeated failures. The struggle to admit the nature of this war within us. One translation of verse 21 says, evil is glued to my side. Waging war, the troops lined up for a military campaign. This struggle is lifelong, but that's okay. The only thing we have to worry about is never losing the desire to fight this. Because... We know it's hard to be good. The pull of the flesh and the pull of the spirit, that battle inside of us that no one sees. We can put up a good front. But it's like old Fred Flintstone when he had a decision to make. There's a good Fred Flintstone on one side and an evil Fred Flintstone on the other side, whispering in both ears. And it got to the point that this battle was so intense, Paul exclaims, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who can help me? Who can deliver me? And he came to the conclusion that it's Jesus. And today in our our gospel, Jesus says it to us, Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. He's not talking about we're working 80 hours a week. He's talking about the struggle of life, the struggle to live this life. And he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The yoke, what is that yoke? It's the amazing grace of God. We hear that word, we hear that word, we know what that word means, but what does it really mean? Mean. What is God's grace? It is God stretching out his arms on the cross, saying, I want you with me. My arms are open. Come to me. It is God's love and acceptance offered to us at Christ's expense. Titus. When the kindness and love of God appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. What does grace mean? It means, as one writer said, we can't do anything to make God love us more and we can't do anything to make God love us less. It is set. It is fixed. So what does this grace mean to us? How do we overcome that struggle? What does it mean to us? First of all, and hear me, hear me out. I know you're going to be shocked. I'm glad you're sitting down. First of all, You no longer have to try to be perfect. It's not a free pass. Just listen. Because how many of us, we know we can't be perfect. The absence of flaws. We all have them. We all have weakness. No one scores 100% on God, with God. But we can be what the Greek word is translated as perfect, called teleos it means fulfillment completion readiness the image of a greek in greek is a ship getting ready to sail and what does that mean for us hold on a second i have a visual demonstration here it's like my car key it's it's got flaws the little uh, lock sticker whatever is rubbing off I don't even know what's on this side because it's completely gone. I never hit that one. Afraid of what might happen. It might be the ejector seat. <laughs> where you hang it on the keychain is broke. I can't keep it on the keychain. That's why there's no keychain attached to it. It does flip out. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> A little loose. It has flaws. But what happens when I stick it in the ignition and turn it? It's perfect. It starts the process of starting the car. And the same with us. We're going to have flaws. You don't have to be intimidated with the flaws. But you are perfect for what God is asking of you. You are completely equipped. And more often than not, God works through our flaws. Paul said, his strength is made perfect in my arrogance. No. Here I know what it was. His strength is made perfect in my intellect. No. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. My weakness. Because God just needs us. If you knew how terrified I am to stand before you today, if you could see what's going on in here and in here, you would be amazed. But God works in our weakness. This grace doesn't give us a free pass, but it does inspire us no longer to live in sin. Because guilt and fear are very poor motivators. We've all had employers, bosses, that nitpick and pinpoint all the little things we do wrong. When I was working at Wendy's, the general, not general manager, what do they call those guys? District manager. He was an arrogant, exclamation point, bleep, blurt, (laughs) blop. He came in right in the middle of the lunch rush one day, and I'll never forget it. And he went, hey, Josh, I saw a cigarette butt sitting on the bush out by the drive. You need to go out and get that cigarette butt off off the bush. Do you want to work for a guy like that? No. Guilt, fear, poor motivators, but love and grace. When we realize how much God loves us, and I don't know if this is a word. If it's not a word, it is a word today. Love is the great inspirator. (laughs) I don't know if that's a word, but I made one up. It's going to be in Shane's dictionary. Because it puts a want to in us, not a have to. I want to do these things because I know how much God loves me. Love doesn't have a checklist of accomplishments. It wants to do, it wants to accomplish, it wants to live this out. That my supervisor, they changed my supervisor at work, and the first thing he came to me and said, When you succeed, you will get all the glory. If you fail, I will take the responsibility. That's grace. Now, do you think I want to work for him? Man, I go above and beyond for this man. Because I know he loves me. He cares about me. He stands with me. How much more God? Jesus. Love. Augustine said this. You're going to hear quite a few Augustines today. That's my man mean, Augustine's got my jam. Who can be good, if not so, by loving? Love God and do as you please. My head, when I first saw that, I was like, "That's a blanket to do what I want." That's not what Augustine is saying. He's not saying, "Hey, I can go get plastered today, but I love you, Lord, that's not what he's saying. Paul wrote again about the love of Christ compelling us. And when the love of Christ compels us, what pleases us will be what pleases God. Because we're controlled by the love that God has for us. And that involves us surrendering. That leads us to the third thing about this grace. This grace must be received. That's why we come forward during the Eucharist. How? Open hands. I don't have anything to give, Jesus. My pockets are empty. My head's empty. My heart's empty. My life is empty. I need something to fill it up. We have to receive this grace. We have to realize how much we are in need of it every day. We have to be willing to face the truth about ourselves in order to experience this wonderful grace of God. There's no reason to hide. What's the thing that Paul said here? There is now, wait a minute, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We don't have to try to find fig leaves like Adam and Eve and hide behind silly things. You just have to be honest. Jesus, I can't function without grace. I can't move without you in my life. I can't do anything without you. The message translates part of this passage today from Romans like this. Instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing now. And How do we embrace them? It leads us to the final aspect of this grace, a mindset change. Paul said, for the mindset on the flesh is death, But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. What does it mean to have a mindset on the flesh? Well, first of all, you're ruled by appetites. It's about what I crave and what I see. It's about instant gratification. It's a lot like what Freddie Mercury sang a long time ago. I want it all, and I want it now. That's a mindset of the flesh. It's always feeling that something is missing, that something is not good enough. That's a mindset of the flesh, on the flesh. Because if you really look at our lives, we're okay. It's also, as our founding fathers aptly wrote it, Always in the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is from the same root word, happen. Things happen good, I'm happy. Things happen bad, I'm not happy. And it's amazing that, you know, always in pursuit of happiness. We can't catch it. Anybody ever watch Looney Tunes? I know they're outlawed for some weird reason. But anybody remember Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner? Every episode, Wile E. Coyote came up with an elaborate scheme to catch the Roadrunner. He bought stuff from Acme. A C M E. He had all kinds of skin, and every one looked like it's gonna work. But you know, he never caught the roadrunner. The same is true. If our mindset is on the flesh, we will never catch happiness. Never. Because there will always be something that looks better, feels better, smells better, tastes better. There will always be something better. What's the mindset of the spirit? Own the spirit. It's ruled by surrender. I am not my own. That's the mantra of a Christ follower. I am not my own. It isn't based on instant gratification, but always looks for eternal significance. Always knowing that it's not yet It is the feeling of peace. What is peace? Not the absence of conflict, but realizing that there's nothing missing, nothing broken. We're with God. God's in you. You're reconciled to the Father. You're on your way to glory. What's missing? You know, the iPhone 27 ain't going to make much difference when you see Jesus. That BMW M6, the M6, the saloon, it's not going to make much difference when I see Jesus. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm complete with Jesus. I'm fulfilled in Jesus. Nothing created can bring fulfillment. You can enjoy created things, but your fulfillment has to be from the place that you are reconciled with God. And what are we pursuing with the mind of the spirit? We are always in pursuit of glorifying God. That's our our job. That's our life. Today, maybe you are struggling with yourself. If you're honest, you will admit, I am struggling with myself. There's things that I'm struggling with. There's things that are pulling me in not a very pleasant direction. As we just sang, come to the altar. Come to Jesus. Because grace is here. Every Sunday we remember, we experience the grace of Christ right there. St. Augustine said in an Easter sermon, if you receive the Eucharist well, you are what you eat. Since you are the body of Christ and his members, it is your mystery to receive. Be what you see. Receive what you already are. Come today with your hand open, warts and all, flaws and all, and say to Jesus, I need your grace.